0: Mac Power Users, episode 365, Maps and More. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd?
1: I'm great, David. How are you?
0: Excellent. I still get a little shocked when I see the number when I announce it at the beginning of the show. 365.
1: I know. For our our new listeners who are coming on board, I apologize, but you now have to listen to one episode a day, every day for a year, to catch up to our back catalog. There you go. It, It becomes more and more of a time commitment.
0: I know I keep bugging you about this, but remember when you told me we'd never make it past 10? I just love that. I love that so much. Okay. Um, speaking of the Mac power users, I was just talking to the gang over at Relay. We are responsible for millions of downloads over at Relay and our numbers are up and everybody's very happy with the way Mac power is doing. I just want to thank the audience. We don't do that very often, but thanks everybody for listening to our show and telling your friends about us. We really appreciate that we can have this community out there and we don't ask very often, but once in a while we do ask you go on iTunes and leave a review for the show. It really helps us find new listeners and we We'd really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, and I think you can leave like one a year. So if you haven't done it in a while, now's a great time to do it.
0: Um, also on the, uh, topic of fun, the Chicago meetup is really coming together. Well, I mean, we thought at first it would be just kind of a fun little get together and now it's like turning into a thing.
1: Every time I talk to David, he says, why don't you, why don't you increase it? And we can add more people and we can add more people. So, um, every time I talk to David, I add more people. So,
0: and, and guess what happens? We get more people sign up. That's great. Yes.
1: Yes. As of the last time I checked, we have 85, uh, people registered.
0: And we're enabling some more spaces. We're not going to say how many because Katie and I are in negotiations over that right now. But
1: there, there's a slight disagreement between David and I and the fire marshal.
0: Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, so anyway, go sign up. It's going to be super fun. And there's some some surprises we have in store. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the other thing that's happening is this Facebook group is now over 2000 people.
1: Oh, David, we were going to mention to people, some people have asked, um, if you're under 21, that's fine. You can certainly come to the meetup. Uh, no drinking though. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so March, March 15th, under 21, if you want to bring like one of the listeners wants to bring a son, go for it. It's fine. Just, just get him the Coke, not the rum and Coke. Um, the uh, And then the Facebook, like I was saying, over 2,000 members. I was looking in it the other day. There's tons of interaction going on between listeners, people asking about recommendations about apps or specific problems they have. That's exactly what we wanted to do with it. I put a note out a couple of days ago about this show we're going to do on Maps. Got a ton of feedback. Some of it made it into the show outline. Some of the best stuff in the show outline came from you. So uh, go sign up on Facebook, and uh, we'd love to have you there.
1: All right. Well, without further ado, David, let's let's talk about Maps. Now, I must admit, I was a little skeptical uh, when you pitched the idea of a show on Maps. Number one, because I have not been uh, the happiest camper when it comes to using Apple Maps. And I wasn't, you know, I say this all the time, I really don't know how we can do an entire show on Maps. But remind me of this in about an hour and 25 minutes.
0: Well, well, I'll tell you, th- we've had requests for maps. Talking about going back to show 10, we've had requests for map shows for a long time. Uh, people have been very interested in um, us doing one, but I was always down on the idea because I felt like um, if I did a show on maps, it would be about 15 minutes long because it would say, okay, if you want a good maps app, get Google Maps because it's the best and the really clearly the best. So that's the one you want. We'd talk a little bit about how to use Google Maps and that'd be it for the show. But over the uh, last few years, there's been some up-and-comers. Apple Maps that started out horribly has gotten pretty good. And um, then there's this application called Waze that a lot of people love. And then there's a whole bunch of other little third-party kind of map-related apps that are super useful. And suddenly now we've got a horse race because uh, the three big apps we're going to talk about, Apple Maps, Google Maps, and Waze, all have things they're better at than their competitors. And it really comes down to what features you're looking for as to which one you want. Now we have a show because uh, there's something to talk about with each one. Um, So that's why we waited that long. And that's why, Katie, I I was able to fill up all these pages in the outline.
1: That's true. Yeah, I was skeptic. So let's talk a little bit about Apple Maps. It has gotten a lot better, but it did not start that way. It kind of has this... uh, This this wacky background where Apple launched it to much fanfare and then it was kind of like a lead balloon.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Apple, this is an interesting thing about Apple. I mean, as a company in general, they're very good at getting something right before they release it. And they spend a lot of time and we've all heard the stories about products that went way far down, you know, the production line. And at the last minute were killed because they just thought it wasn't ready yet. And, um, that is a, that is something that they're good at. It's one of the reasons why they have so much money in the bank and why they're so successful. I know I'm going to get emails from people saying they're not as good at that anymore. Um, uh, and that's a whole nother show, but, but Apple Maps is definitely an exception to that rule. Um, what happened was, you know, I feel like well, there's a really great story behind this. And someday somebody that was there is going to write a book and I can't wait to read it.
1: We, I, I really want to read Craig Federighi's, uh, I'm sorry, not Craig Federighi. Scott Forstall's memoir.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that would definitely be his side of it. <laughs> but I think there's more than one side on this. Uh, but you know, when the iPhone first released, they needed a Maps product. And so Google com- basically partnered with Apple. It was Google Data and Apple, uh, as far as I understand, did a lot of the work in writing the actual application. And at some point, that relationship deteriorated as Google came up with an alternative operating system. And 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 as one of the stories told, but I don't know if this is true or not, is that Google wanted more data from the, the users, and Apple didn't want to give the data. So ultimately, they had this parting of the ways.
1: And this really came at the height of, I, I feel like, there was there. There's kind of been this this loopy timeline when it comes to Apple and Google. App, Apple and Google were like best friends for a long time. I me- remember when. Uh, Google had a seat on Apple's board of directors. Yeah, Eric Schmidt was Eric Schmidt on the Schmidt board. Eric Schmidt was on the board. And Apple, uh, Eric and Steve used to be caught out for coffee and those types of things all the time. And and then all of a sudden things turned sour. And then they got like really bad. And that was during the time when Apple was like, we're taking YouTube off the iPhone by default. We're making our own mapping application. And and, and it seems to have cooled down a little since then.
0: Well, I, I think I think Steve Jobs took a lot of it personally. Eric Schmidt was on the board there was all these secret meetings about this iPhone. And then all of a sudden he sat there on the board. Then suddenly Google completely changed their Android platform, which was going to be a BlackBerry copy into an iPhone copy. And I can understand why it got a little testy about that, but either way, I don't want to go through all that today, but the fact is uh, we had this party on the waves of the maps. Now leading up to that, Everybody in the community knew Apple was going to do its own maps product. I mean Apple is a company that does not like to be reliant on other people, and you could see like every it seemed like every three or four months some little mapping company would get bought up by Apple. They were buying up you know mapping companies like crazy, so we all kind of knew it was coming and then it did come and they and um um Scott Forstall got on the um stage and 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 said this is i think he said did he say sweet solution i want to say he did." But either way, he he got up and talked about how great Maps was and it shipped and it was, it really sucked. I mean, it was, it had, there's two things you need for a map app. You need good data and you need a good user interface. And uh, it had bad data. It had bad maps and a bad user interface. I remember with that first one that came out, I was trying to use it at night, but it didn't have a night mode. So the screen was super bright and I was driving at nighttime and it was killing my night vision to actually see through the windshield and I, I even wrote up at one point at Max Sparky a hack where you could enable disability mode and like put it in high contrast dark. So you could actually read a map and drive at night. But I mean, how did this ship, right? So um, so it was pretty bad at the beginning.
1: I'm kind of surprised to hear you talk about how bad the location data was on Apple Maps because in being sitting here in Florida, it w- it was really bad for me but, you know, I, I seem to remember that was kind of the flack that Apple got is like, well, it works great if you're in Cupertino, or if you're in California. And I know you're not in Cupertino, but, um, you know, I I thought that it was at least better in California or in large cities in in California, at least on the West Coast, and, and perhaps not so good in other parts of the world. But it, was the data all that bad for you?
0: No, the data's never been bad for me. Okay, but I mean, at the time, you can go back and look at the the myriad of screenshots of people outside of California that, that had maps that <laughs> I think there was one where they drew a bridge that looked like it like had broken half, and it's just like the whole thing was nuts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember for years I couldn't get to Disney World uh, because you know I go down to Disney World at least once a year for uh, the my it used to be called Milo Fast now it's called MacTrack Legal, and I I would be turning into Walt Disney World, turning into the park and Apple Maps would be screaming at me to make a U-turn that I was, you know, 40 miles off course. I'm like, really? I'm not. I can see it.
0: Well, so that that was the start. And like so many things that have a bad start, it becomes legendary. I, I remember last year, there's a great show on, I believe, HBO called Silicon Valley. And, you know, it's goofy, but it's it's a comedy and I like it. And I, one of the things that happened last season or the season before is, you know, the one of the guys is kind of like the guy who runs Google, the version of Google and a television show, and they're testing a new product and it's going terribly. And the um and then he says to his assistants, they're doing like a test, you know, where they got the mirror and they're looking at the, the people testing it, saying how much it sucks. And he goes, Is this iPhone four bad? And then she goes, No, Gavin, it's Apple Maps bad. And then he oh, throws geez. a chair through a window. <laughs> and I I mean this is like part of our culture now. This is how much people uh, really sunk in i think it was like the was it the mobile me launch and the apple maps launch are the ones where i just had this picture of steve jobs walking through the hallways with a flamethrower and and this is uh so this is something that we're all stuck with right this uh series of apple maps theories and uh and that's reason really why i didn't do a show on it because i didn't i just was going to say you know get google maps but things have changed Um, I was talking to somebody last year, at WWDC, who said that the team who works at at the fruit company, who said you would not believe how big the team of people working on maps is. It's hugely labor intensive and there's a huge amount of labor working on it. So I started like Googling around in preparation for the show. At one point I found LinkedIn search that had 231 people working on maps related jobs at Apple. And that's just what's showing up on LinkedIn. So I I don't know how many people, but there's a lot of folks working on it. and guess what happened you know maps has got a lot apple maps has gotten a lot better over the last few years
1: and it took a long time i mean it I probably it took two or three years before there was a long time where i just boycotted apple maps where i just i tried it i said this is not going to work i'm not going to use it again and it probably took two or three years before i decided to try using it again i really think it was maybe the apple watch that brought me back to apple maps and and it's a lot better. It's I, I don't know that it's as good as Google Maps now, but it's it's usable now for me.
0: Yeah, I I guess the short version of this Apple Maps segment of the show I would say is it's not as good as Google Maps, but it has a lot of built-in features that Google Maps doesn't have. So we're going to talk about some of those features. And we're going to talk about where it's not as good as Google. You may find that, you know, it's worth it for the trade-off because it's, you know, because it works with Siri. Because it works with the watch, Because of the stuff we're going to talk about. You may say, you know, it's not quite as good, but it's good enough. I mean, that's generally been my experience with it. But but let's get into the details, starting with the map data. Um, If you look in the application, it makes reference to TomTom. So I know they're using TomTom's data, but Apple's been on a buying spree with mapping companies. They have tons of mapping data they're throwing in there. Um, I have been using it. Like Katie, I, I was using it mixed with Google for a long time, but probably the last couple of years, particularly with iOS 9 and even more so with iOS 10, because the UI improvements with iOS 10, I've been using Apple Maps almost exclusively and I have not got lost. I mean, I, I had one situation uh, like about eight months ago where I was going to meet somebody at a obscure like coffee house on the beach. And it it's in the area of California where the roads are really iffy. And Apple Maps was getting confused and couldn't find it. I'm like, aha, now I have you. you know. So I switched over to Google Maps because I knew Google Maps was going to get me there. And of course, Google Maps got lost too. So I didn't really have a good example. But uh, largely uh, driving around Southern California, Apple Maps, the data is is rock solid. Uh, the only other thing I had that is a recent thing. they They've added a brand new road around here recently. And that road is not on Apple Maps yet, but it is on Google Maps. So uh, those are the only two examples I can have in the last two years. But I wanted to hear from you. You talked about your your you know Disney World experience. Has that got better? And are you having weird issues with Apple Maps at this point in terms of the data?
1: I will tell you that Apple Maps uh, generally gets me now where I need to go. And I think I tried it the last time I went to Disney World uh, for for MacTrack Legal last year, and and it did. It got me where I need to go. I will tell you that if I'm ever in a crunch and I'm i am running late and I know that I don't have time to spare or I'm really nervous about something, there is still that little bit of hesitation in the back of my mind that will cause me to pull up Google Maps on my phone rather than Apple Maps.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a common experience. I, and we talked about this on the Facebook group and got a bunch of feedback. And several people said, if I'm going somewhere that I've never been before and I'm a little nervous, Google Maps is, you know, the rock solid answer.
1: Right. Um, so that's that's. I will tell you that generally now Apple Maps is probably my go-to just because it it is more useful now, it has more features, it's a lot easier to use because of the way it integrates with the with the OS and I know that we're going to talk more about those a little bit later, but I still my my confidence in Apple Maps is still not near the level it is with with Google Maps. And so, yeah, Google Maps is still my go-to if if there're issues.
0: Yeah, but I mean, if you just sit down in your car and you need directions to the dentist or whatever, what what do you use?
1: Well, so I don't. I, I see. I don't need directions to my dentist and those types of things. So I don't. Well, I'm just telling you. I'm, yeah, I'm just telling you. I don't. I don't use. I, I I don't use maps daily. I probably use maps a couple of times a month. I, I will tell you, my default is probably Apple Maps now. But a, again, with that caveat that if it if it's really important or if it's really a concern. Or if it's not a major landmark, I'm going to Google Maps.
0: Yeah, I, I I use maps a lot more than you. I feel like I, I don't know, I just, I feel like I'd get lost, you know, walking to the restroom some days. So uh, I'm just a flake, you know, so I put maps on all the time. I also like just having the data. Like uh, quite often I had a case where I was going down to San Diego two or three times a week and. Uh, that's about an hour and a half from where I live. And I just like knowing how many more miles am I on this road? Yeah, you know, I just want to know sometimes. And I do like the ETA data. But the uh, either way, um, so I use Maps more often than you. I would say that, that Apple Maps is my go-to. Um, if if it fails me, then I'll switch to something else. But there are some some reasons why we're going to get into that here uh, later on the show. But I wanted to finish one other major point. Um, and that is that in addition to the map data getting better i think the user interface is much better and i think that ios 10 in particular was a really nice upgrade to apple maps so if you haven't used it since ios 10 came out i strongly recommend you at least give it a shot because um i always felt like the the way it displays the data particularly when you're driving is super important i mean i want How long do I have to go in big numbers? I want everything easily readable. I want to be able to see what's going to happen next as I'm driving down the the freeway without having to look at the screen very long. And I feel like Apple did a really good job with that user interface update for iOS 10. Um, And it's more than just the way it displays the data when you're driving. It's things like when you open the app, it accesses your calendar and it knows your next appointment. So the very first thing it shows you is your next appointment and you tap one button to get directions to it, which is, I mean, it just doesn't get any easier than that. And, and that is is better user interface than what you're getting with Google maps. Um, I, I think that's something that is uh that's one of the reasons why I use it.
1: I, I agree. The uh, one of the other big reasons is it's just so easily integrated into the OS. Um, You know, you talked about how um, you can use it. I I use it quite a bit in our calendar show. We talked about how I put put addresses in just about everything. So if I'm going somewhere, if I'm going to lunch or somewhere, particularly with some of the calendar apps that we use, it's so easy to type in the name of a restaurant or type in something, and it will auto-populate the address in those things. And particularly uh, with iOS 10, one of the big improvements is there's now a widget that appears... um, on the, on the lock screen that you can access that will show you where your next map destination is. I don't have one right now because I don't have any upcoming map destinations, but I use that all the time. If I'm not quite sure where I'm going or how long it's going to get me there, because I would say maybe 80% of my calendar appointments now, I'm just so accustomed to putting that map data in there. I almost always have a next destination or Siri has figured out based on my habits. Um, what that next destination likely is, that that's almost always populated.
0: Yeah, and you just swipe it, and you're in Maps, and you're on your way. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander for Teams. Visit textexpander.com/mpu to start your free trial. We've talked a lot over the years about Text Expander, but we haven't said much about Text Expander for Teams. Imagine all the benefits we've talked about in the past with Text Expander, but multiplied over your entire team. That's what you get with Text Expander for Teams. It's a shared knowledge base from which your team communicates quickly and accurately. For a lot of people, their only communications with you and your company are going to be written. Now imagine if your company's best writers were the ones that were making the most common replies. What if you could craft those responses to the most common emails and make it so they're immediately accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations to all of your employees? That's what you get with Text Expander for Teams. It allows you to come up with the ideal set of Text Expander snippets and apply it throughout your company. Not only does it save you time and money, it also allows you to be more consistent in your communications with your customers. That's why companies like WordPress and Desk are all over TextExpander for Teams and use it to multiply their productivity. You don't have to be a big company to do this though. I'm starting to take on a few people to help me out with email and a couple of the administrative pieces of my business. And I'm going to set up TextExpander for Teams so they get the consistent word out to my customers. TextExpander has now released the Windows version so you're gonna be able to get this on all of your major platforms, Mac, iOS, and Windows. Alone Text Expander is the little tool that saves you on typing big time. But when you put it in your team, it's so much more. The increase in productivity is, I would argue, exponential. Text Expander for Teams is a great solution for all companies big and small. Head to textexpander.com/mpu to start your free trial and learn how to multiply the productivity for your entire company. Thanks Text Expander for supporting the Mac Power users. All right, before the break, you mentioned Siri. I want to talk about that for a minute because i, I that's another reason why I think people should consider using Apple Maps. Um, Siri works really great with Apple Maps. It's, it's a perfect implementation of that type of digital assistant service. Uh, the one I use by far the most is just I press the button or say the magic incantation and then I say, get directions home. Like if I'm up in Los Angeles or if I'm just away from, where I'm, you know, I'm not exactly sure how to get out of where I am. Uh usually once I get on the freeway, I'm okay, but you know, just get me in the, you know, get me home. I say, Siri, get directions home. And it does that. It figures out where I am using the location data, it figures out where my home is, it maps the route, it starts directions. And that is so convenient uh when you're on the road. I, I guess I drive a lot. I'm in Southern California, so that's just kind of comes with the territory. But just that one simple, so if you take one Siri command home from using Apple maps, get directions home just saves your bacon every day. But you can do more than that. You can also say get directions to, and you can insert uh, the name of a, um, you know, the name of a friend's work or home or a restaurant or whatever. And Siri does a pretty good job of figuring it out for you.
1: Yeah, I do that quite regularly. Give me directions to so and so at work or take me home is another command that I'll I'll use quite frequently. Um or even to local business names. That's that's something that's gotten a lot better. I think that was before iOS 10 though, but it's it's been in in the recent um versions of iOS. So that's that's good. You can also do some things um like ask for I think this came with iOS 10, like ask where a gas station is or where a coffee shop is. And some of those are more hit and miss, but for big categories of things it tends to do a good job.
0: Yeah, I mean they're they're trying to get as much of it into the app as possible. They're trying to allow you to use your voice, so you don't try and use your thumbs while you're driving down the road. And um, a couple additional Siri uh, commands that are useful in Apple Maps. One is what's my next turn? Like if you're looking, like you're driving down the road and you wanna know how long it is, um, you can say what's my ETA, which is nice. You know, when am I gonna arrive? Or you can say, are we there yet? I love that you can say, are we there yet? And uh, she or he will answer your question for you. Um, the other, uh, you know, we're going to talk later kind of about walking and riding and bicycling, but you can specifically ask for walking directions from Siri. You can say, give me walking directions to Katie's house, which in my case would take like four months, but it, it yeah, would...
1: better start walking. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, you, hey, know, so you
1: can, you can listen to a uh, Mac power users podcast though. Probably the whole way. We'll get you the whole way here.
0: I probably could. I probably could not run out of content. <laughs> um so it it actually is really quite useful i think it's one of the best places to use siri is is with the maps um you don't have to let it calculate directions from where you are to where you're going you can also give it the the uh the starting location so you could say get directions from my home to katie's house and it would um it would do that for you it doesn't necessarily have to use your current location um if you haven't used siri with apple maps this is something i want you to to try next time you get in a car next time you go somewhere where it was a weird trip to get there and you're not exactly sure how to get back just tap the button and say get directions home and see how useful that can be for you there's a couple issues with this though katie mentioned earlier about um using it to get a gas station or a cup of coffee um i'm thinking about my long trips to san diego because sometimes i want to stop for a break along the way And the thing that Siri does that makes me insane every time is I say, you know, get directions to Starbucks and it knows I'm going 70 miles an hour. I'm not sure if I can say that. Okay. It knows I'm going the legal speed limit on the freeway, whatever that is at the time. And it knows which direction I'm going. It knows it even knows that I'm heading to San Diego from Orange County. So it knows my destination. And nevertheless, it gives me a Starbucks that's, you know, two miles behind me. You know, it wants me to get off the freeway, do a U-turn and go back 2 miles when there's another one 3 miles ahead of me. And um and that that makes me nuts. I I tried it with Google Maps too and I had the same problem. It, you know, it, these things are smart, but they're not quite smart enough when you when you start having it give you more kind of digital assistant kind of assistance. Um do you ever have that experience where it in trying to help you, it actually makes things worse.
1: Yeah, and I thought this was something that was supposed to get a lot better with, with iOS 10. Um, but it to, to me, I haven't seen huge improvement with that.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's kind of an issue. Uh, you have to be kind of clever about it. Uh, what I'll do is usually I'll pick several and I'll just choose one that's ahead of me. But ideally, I just feel like this phone should be smart enough that when I say, you know, where's the next Starbucks? It would say, it would calculate which direction I'm going and pick the closest one in front of me. Um, And they're not quite there yet. Um, Something we we haven't talked about yet is that uh, Apple Maps also has an application on the Mac.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it can be a lot easier to get things done on the Apple Maps application on the Mac. Number, number one, it's a bigger interface. You get to see more. Sometimes sometimes things are just easier to do on the Mac still. I, at least I find it that way. And so you can browse, you can see a bigger canvas, you can see more things. Um, you can sometimes get more information on the desktop interface. But then it has this really cool feature where you can then, after you've done whatever you need to do on the Mac, send it to an iOS device.
0: Yeah. And it's super easy. It just, you hit the sharing button on your Mac screen and it just, it shows your phone and it just drops a pin. I guess I'd say it sends you a notification on your phone and you can just swipe it and you're good to go. It's also useful, like just for recording mileage. If you forgot to write mileage down and you need it. I mean, basically, if you're sitting at a Mac during the day and someone calls you and they say, let's meet at a restaurant. Uh, I think it's easier to look at a map with a 27 inch screen than a four inch screen, and so I use it all the time. But you know, the, by its nature, the show is really about an iOS app because you you want maps in your pocket. I mean, Katie, did you? I don't know if you're um if you're old enough. Did you when you first learned to drive? Did you have the box of maps?
1: Yes, we we had atlases. Um, they were like these magazine things that you kept in the back seat pocket. Yes, we had atlases. um I don't even know if we had g p s systems or if we did they were I didn't have one. They were very, very expensive um, and those standalone g p s systems came later, so yes, and I learned how to read a map. I think that was one of the skills that we actually were taught in school was how to read a map
0: in southern Southern California is admittedly a driving culture. Everything is stretched out. you need a car to get anywhere. And when I learned how to drive, my uh, my father bought me uh, a box of these. Uh, they were called Thomas Guides. I don't know if they had them in other states, but in Southern California, these things were like the Bible. They're just super detailed uh, maps down to the street level, and you would buy them by county. I had like four or five of them because you need them for different counties, and reading them was always kind of like an Indiana Jones experience. But so we'd all carry these around in our trunk, and like everybody in my family, you'd learn to drive. You'd get your Thomas Guides. And then I remember one time reading an article in like Scientific American about how somebody was figuring a, a scheme where they could attach a device to your wheel and it would count the number of times the, um, the wheel turned around and it would compare that to a map and then digitally then render, you know, it would assume when you stopped that you were at the stop sign so it could reset. It was just totally goofy uh, technology. But everybody was super excited about it, you know. And then suddenly this thing called GPS arrived and we truly had uh, location. This stuff is so awesome. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe how far we've come with it, that we have these little niggly um, questions and problems with it now.
1: Well, and the initial GPSs were so bad because they could be off by half a mile or so. And it was like at some point you might want to turn. Good luck, <laughs> you know
0: yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly, but anyway, so,
1: but you know, it just occurred to me there's a whole generation of people who have never read a map and will never i mean that's a that's a lost skill. I don't, I don't even know do they make maps and atlases anymore,
0: I'm sure they do, but they just don't use them as much
1: well, they won't for long,
0: anyway, um so. I, I kind of got off on a little tangent there, <laughs> but, the, uh, but now we have these Apple Maps. You can do all these tricks with it. Like you can drop a pin and turn it into a contact. Like Apple Maps is very good at that. If I'm at a, a friend's house and I don't have their address captured, I don't need to ask them to give me their address. I can literally just drop a pin and, and Apple Maps, and then add that to their contact as an address. It'll figure that out.
1: Yeah. Now let's let's talk about this for a minute because i f- i found that to be a little hit or miss. It it may not be the exact address. It may be close, but I mean, if you're planning on mailing this person something or doing something like that, because you know, sometimes when I'm at home, Apple Map shows my address as being, you know, one one or two numbers off what what my actual address is. It's it's not perfect, so. I'm not sure that I would rely on that a hundred percent of the time. You know, the other thing that you can do is is drop a pen and share a location with somebody. And I found that's that's good for um, you know generally saying, well, well, this is wh- where I am. This is this is how you can get to me. But I guess I I always question um, when do you use that with people because is that a skill that uh, the non the non geeks understand or appreciate how to use? Like I had a. Um, I, I had a guy coming to my house today to to look at replacing some tile. And unfortunately, still Apple Maps and Google Maps, so it's not just Apple, will send people a very roundabout way through the neighboring subdivision to get to my house. Neither of the map data has fixed this. And it will ultimately get them here, but it sends them like on a five-minute detour as opposed to if you just kept driving, you, you would have been able to get straight to my house. So I wanted to send this guy to drop him a pin and show him, you know, send him a message because we were text messaging back and forth where my house was. But I thought about it. And I'm like, is he going to have any idea what to do with this?
0: Yeah, I just send it to people and assume they'll figure it out. But I do it. I do it all the time. I I share. I also you can share location from the maps app, which is super useful too. Um, you know, we have friends that meet us one place or another, often Disneyland. <laughs> I will just drop a pin wherever we're at. You know, if we're at a restaurant, I'm like, I'm here. And then just send them a pin and then they find their way to me. I kind of figure it's like a, um, kind of like a survival of a fittest thing. You know, if you want to hang out with me, you're going to have to figure out how to use this pin.
1: And if not, you're just going to be lost in Disneyland forever.
0: Yeah, you're just on your own. You're just, that's it, man. You just to have to get, you're going to have to survive on popcorn and churros for the rest of your life. No way out. Um, Another thing, and this is another one of those things where because Apple Maps is integrated to the operating system and made by the same company that makes the hardware and the software, you get some additional benefits. The 3D press stuff is super useful. If you have an iPhone 6S or 7, you're gonna like that. In fact, when I send my location to people, the way I do it is I don't even open the application. I 3D press on the icon and it has a thing there that says send my location. I use that all the time. I'm gonna use it in Chicago to send my location to Katie.
1: Well, I think I'm going to know where you are most of the time, but that's fine.
0: You don't know about that. I'm kind of I'm kind of shady. You never know, right? You are,
1: you are. Uh, in in terms of other tricks, one of one of the things that has really upped my game with Apple Maps and has moved me over to Apple Maps is the Apple Watch. I since I have gotten my Apple Watch, I have been much more likely to use Apple Maps than Google Maps because of the tight integration between Apple Maps and the Apple Watch. In fact, I don't even think Google Maps has a has a Google Maps app on the Apple Watch yet. I think it's really just Apple Maps that has that integration.
0: Yeah, they have some Apple Watch support I believe and it's um it's not as good, at least. I, I don't you know what? I'm you got me on a limb here. I'm not sure. But, but Apple Watch is so good, but Apple Maps is so good at it. I mean, not only, so So the way it works is there's really nothing to enable. If you've got an Apple Watch on your wrist and you set directions out, it's going to start driving those to your wrist. And the way, there's a couple of ways to use this. One of, the, one of the gang in the Facebook group had said that uh, he or she uses Apple Maps exclusively when walking because of this feature and then uses Google Maps when he or she drives. Um, I could see that's a good use, but, but the way it works is it drives the stuff to your watch. It's just a little thing on your watch. that says, you know, turn right in, you know, 50 feet at market street. So whenever you're in a town that you're not that familiar with, the last thing you really want to do, especially if it's a big town is walk around with your, your phone out looking down at it like a dumb tourist.
1: Well, and, and I think it's also from a safety perspective, because if you're there, you have your phone out, you're just blindly following your phone. You're, you're really not aware of what's going on in your surroundings. And like you said, you, you look like a tourist sitting there with, with your phone out. Uh, I, I use this quite a bit in the car. I have a, a phone mount and that we'll talk about a little bit later that I, I, because my car doesn't have a dedicated place to put a phone, I've just got one of these um, these air vent clips and I'll use that when I'm traveling, if I'm if I'm going for a significant distance or things like that. But if I'm just going, you know, down the street or around town, I'm I'm probably not gonna take the time to pull that out and, and mount my phone. So if I'm just in the car and, and scooting around town and I'm I'm using directions to get somewhere, my phone is probably you know, laying on the seat next to me or, or doing something like that. And it can be dangerous to, to pick it up and look down on the phone and see what's going on from a maps perspective. Of course, I've got, you know, audio directions, but it's really convenient to have, especially if you kind of know where you're going, but not sure to have that haptic feedback on your wrist and be able to look and see, okay, I've got a turn here coming up. Oh, nope. 200 feet, 50 feet up. Oh, there it is. That's the one I want.
0: Yeah, and that is a lot more convenient and less distracting than uh looking down at a big screen. And so it works for both walking and driving and it's super useful. If you've got an Apple Watch, you've got to try this. It I uh once you do it, it it really hooks you on Apple Maps, I think. And the and Apple does a good job of displaying the data. And and uh, you know, just finishing the story earlier about walking, like when I go to San Francisco or when I go to Chicago or a big city, I don't want to look like a tourist. I don't want to be a target for muggers, and um, and just being able to get to the street corner and look at my watch, like I'm checking the time, and say, "Okay, I walk straight down this street for another two blocks, and I turn right." It is so James Bond. You just got to try it. Um, so that's another big reason to use Apple Maps. Another one is uh, uh which we're going to talk more about transit directions later. But this is um, something kind of against Apple Maps. Transit directions are coming to Apple Maps, but they're not everywhere. Uh, the real problem with this is um, when you look at these various municipalities, they all have different formats. They keep the data in in different ways, and they have different licensing schemes. And it's not like you can go to one place and just license all of the transit directions for every city in the country or the world. It's almost like a single you know, battle at a time if you want Los Angeles, you got to deal with the Los Angeles system and code your system to work with it. If you want, you know, Orlando, you got to use their system. So they're slow, slowly adding uh, transit directions, but they're behind the eight ball on this. If they don't have transit directions where you live and you want transit directions, uh, you can't use Apple Maps. Uh, but do keep an eye on it. They're, they're getting more. Um, uh, there's two more points on Apple Maps before we get to Google Maps. The first is this flyover mode thing. Uh, when they first announced Apple Maps, in fact, this is one of the things that um, that they were, were making a big deal about at the keynote is this flyover. Um, it's basically, I guess they rented an airplane or a drone and they did these really cool flyovers over these major cities that gives you a nice kind of overview of how the city's laid out and where the landmarks are. They're kind of fun to watch them. They are absolutely useless in terms of navigating or getting real data.
1: Yeah, I, Besides the keynote, I have never watched one of these
0: yeah, I, w- I had written that down in the outline and then prepping the show, I said, well, I should watch a few. So I watched San Francisco and I watched Los Angeles and I watched Boston. And I, I, then I realized I spent like 45 minutes watching all these different cities because they're kind of fun to watch them. So now I have actually watched them and they're great, but they aren't that useful. I guess it's something you can show off to somebody. But like um, Google Maps has Street View, which we're going to talk about. I would trade Flyover for Street View and a heartbeat. Street View is so useful. Um, Uh, one last thing on Apple maps, if you are using it or thinking about using it, uh, this is an application that keeps the settings in a separate location. It's in the settings app, as opposed in the Apple maps app, a lot of people don't know it's there, but it's got a bunch of help. Uh, you can, like if you live near toll roads and you want it to stop giving you toll road directions, every time you want to go somewhere, you don't want to spend the money on the tolls. There's a button for that. You can turn it off. If you don't want to drive on the highway, you want to take city streets. There's a button for that. It's got a compass that you can activate. Um, you can set the navigation volume. This is something I've done. I turn the vi- navigation volume to low because I'm listening to my, you know, my Miles Davis pretty loud. I don't want my my map screaming at me. So I I turn the volume down in the settings. And also there's a setting to pause spoken audio. So if you're listening to the Mac power users and you don't want to miss a second, flip that on. And then when the the directions come through, it pauses the audio.
1: That's something that is unique to Apple Maps that does not work in Google Maps. Or I think it might work with some of the Apple first party apps in Google Maps, but it does not work necessarily with third party apps in Google Maps. I wanna take a moment and thank longtime sponsor Gazelle for their support of Mac Power users. Gazelle is the online marketplace for buying and selling used gadgets. You can shop for a variety of certified pre-owned electronics or trade in the one you have for cash and give life to a new device. Visit gazelle.com, that's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com today to find out more. Gazelle is the trusted online marketplace for buying and selling used electronics online. In fact, I've done both. You can trade in your old device for cash, buy a certified pre-owned device, or do both. For trade-ins, you simply visit gazelle.com Find your device, tell them what you have, what size is it, what kind of condition is it in, and you will get an instant quote. Shipping is free and payment is fast. Or maybe you're looking to buy a certified pre-owned device. Maybe you're looking to buy a device for a child and you don't want to have a contract. Maybe you broke your old device and you just don't want to shell out a fortune for a new one. Gazelle has got you covered there too. They have a selection of certified pre-owned devices and a variety of iPhone, iPads, and Samsung Galaxy phones to choose from. Each device is fully inspected and backed by a 30 day return policy and sold to you without any kind of carrier contract. So you can go to gazelle.com today, see what your old devices work and check out the selection of certified pre-owned devices. I have done both, and I've been always been very happy with both selling my device to Gazelle and my purchases from Gazelle. I bought a iPhone for my grandmother off Gazelle recently, and I helped my aunt pick out a device off Gazelle for her son who had recently broken his device. You know, when you're trying to find a used iPhone online, it can be so difficult. Are you sure that you're buying the right model? Is this one compatible with my carrier? What are the differences between the different iPhone models that are out there and the carriers and the bands and all of those things? Gazelle makes it simple. Just tell them what you're looking for. What kind of device, what carrier... Boom! All the devices have been put through a rigorous 30-point inspection process, ensuring that they are in perfect working order. And these devices look really good. They're good devices, so some gentle signs of wear and tear, but offer consumers great prices on great devices. And they're excellent condition devices. You may have a hard time ever telling that they've been used before. And of course, if you're looking to offload one of your devices, maybe in anticipation of an upcoming iOS device, Gazelle is the hassle-free place to get a quote, send off your old device, no hassles, no mess, no fuss, no worrying about selling it to somebody shady online and wondering if they're going to pay you or meet you back behind the dumpster somewhere. Gazelle has got you taken care of and they're going to get you paid fast. So head over to gazelle.com. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. And take a look and see what your device is worth. All right, so I think we've covered Apple Maps and we've talked about some of the pros and cons there. Let's talk a little bit about Google Maps. Now, one of the things that we both have said from the start you know, Google Maps is kind of the granddaddy when it comes to this, and they seem to unequivocally have the absolute best data when it comes to the maps. You and I have both said that if we're nervous or if we have any issues, Google Maps is where we go because it's, it's where we trust.
0: Yeah, it's great data. They've been doing it longer. And I just think Google's culture is, this is a thing that Google would be better at than Apple. I mean, Google is a company that at one point decided, we want a picture of the front of every building on every street in the country. So we're going to buy a fleet of trucks and, have, with, and put cameras on the top of them and just have people drive up and down every street in the nation. I mean, who does that, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> why, no, why not? I, I want to know in what meeting someone came up with that idea.
0: I don't know, but they should get a raise. It's a great idea. And
1: can you imagine how expensive that was?
0: I don't know, but but that's the thing. So Google is crazy enough to do something like that. And they've been doing the map game longer. They've been collecting data longer. I do think that the curve between the two or the, the, the delta, the difference between these two uh, is getting narrower. And that's why... That's one of the reasons we're doing this show because Apple Maps is good enough for a lot of people now that there is competition here. Um, but I, I think in a pinch, I think uh, anybody who spent any amount of time with this would probably agree that, that Google Maps data seems to be better. Um, so that's, that's a given. That's one of the reasons why you start with the idea of, is Google Maps for me? Well, who has the best data? Google Maps does. And for some people, if that's all that matters to you, that's the end of the conversation, but there's so many more different ways to look at this, like we already got done talking about Apple Watch functionality and user interface. Um, so, so let's dig in the weeds a little bit more with Google Maps. The, um, I've been using Google Maps as we've been talking and prepping the show a lot lately, and and this is purely subjective, but I do not like the user interface in Google Maps as well as I do the Apple Maps one. You know, I mean, one of the primary uses I have for this is when I'm driving around town, getting directions to places. And I think the iOS 10 version of Apple Maps has got a leg up on Google Maps in terms of the way it displays the data. It's easier for me to read and um, it takes less time and attention from my eyeballs as I'm rocketing down the road.
1: Yeah, I I think I would agree with you that Apple Maps is prettier and that it's got the nicer user interface. But I, I, I think that's purely cosmetic and I think that's purely a personal preference. I... To me it doesn't make that much of a difference to to make it or break it one way. I mean the, the Google Maps interface is fine. And I think it's just I, I think it's just a prettiness factor that, that you know, what your preference is. I, I think if we're talking about a UI and a usability factor, one of the things that I really like about Google Maps is I think it typically provides more information than Apple Maps, which to me gives it the edge in UI. So for example, Google Maps, particularly if you're driving on the interstate in a place where you don't know, will give you information like in two miles, use the right two lanes to exit on exit 78. Whereas Apple Maps will say in two miles, turn right. To me, it's very good information to say, hey, I'm in the second lane to the right, which means I'm fine. I don't need to move anywhere. I'm good right here where I am. Uh, and Google Maps will give you that information. Apple Maps won't.
0: That's an excellent point. And like in Southern California, it's super useful because a lot of times there's many lanes on the road that you're on. And if you're not in the proper lane and you don't figure that out until the last 50 yards.
1: You ain't moving, <laughs> right?
0: Um, so so that's an excellent point. And uh, that is definitely a point in Google's favor. Um, the um, Either way, I think the user interface in both of these applications is very good. And like I said, even with my preference for Apple Maps on this, it's subjective. I, I could see someone writing me saying, I think Google Maps is better and I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I think it's up to personal opinion. But the thing I really like about Google Maps is just generally the idea of innovation. Um, let's start with the point of street view, because I, I, I'm maybe some people out there haven't heard about it yet. Maybe some people, this is old news, but... The street view thing is a great idea. You know, they as I said earlier, they went down every street, they took a picture of the streets and as you as you um are trying to go somewhere new, being able to see that, you know, the McDonald's is behind the Pizza Hut uh really makes it a lot easier as you're getting to your destination and you know what to be looking for. Um that is a a very innovative feature that that can be used quite often when you're navigating to unknown places. Do you, do you use Street View much, Katie?
1: I use Street View fairly regularly on the computer when I'm like researching something, when I've never been somewhere before, if I want to check out a destination, if I want to see a house, if I want to see something like that. I I don't even know, is Street View available in the iOS app? Because I, I never use it on mobile.
0: I mean, just like, I remember when I first started as a lawyer, I had some cases where we needed aerial shots and we would hire an airplane, you know, and have somebody go up and take pictures, and now not only you have these navigation, these satellite views, but you also with street view, you can even get a view from the street of these locations it 's super useful when my uh, when my mom was towards the end of her life, she grew up in in Massachusetts in this little town called whitensville that nobody 's ever heard of and um, and she you know wasn 't much about technology, but I remember bringing over the very first generation iPad to her house. And we went on Street View on that and were able to look at the, the home she grew up in and it was still there. And I don't think I delighted her any more in the last couple of months of her life than when we were looking at those Street View pictures. I, I don't know. I, I just really think Google's onto something with that type of innovation, but it doesn't stop there. They've got other things they've been doing. Like um they put gas prices in Google Maps a while ago. So if you're looking for gas stations, not all does it tell you where the gas stations are, it tells you how much the gas costs. Um, the, the most recent thing that they've, they've unloaded on us is downloading local data, which is super useful, especially if you've got limited access to data caps or if you have poor reception. So if you're going to an area that's poor reception, you can download the map data onto your device and keep it there. So Google maps can draw your, your, um, your route or your mapping right on top of the locally stored data. Super useful, not possible in Apple maps. Uh, I did look that up, by the way. Uh, you only get to keep that data for thirty days, so you have to re-download the map after thirty days. So make sure you do that if you're uh, if you're going to be relying on that.
1: And you know, the data is not as big as I was afraid that it was going to be. And the the data caps that we have now on our mobile plans are so much bigger than they used to be. In fact, I think I think the data cap that I have on my mobile plan now is is like upwards of twenty gigabytes and I know Verizon just, just now re-released an unlimited plan. I was like, really? So apparently that's a thing again. Um but I, I remember back when we used to have like one gigabyte plans or five hundred megabyte plans, I was very nervous about using these these GPS apps, but it it's not that big amount of data.
0: Uh, I can tell you driving around Southern California, the traffic estimates, the time estimates with Google uh, Maps is more accurate than Apple Maps. Uh, uh, It does a better job of estimating traffic and it does a better job of estimating uh, estimated time of arrival.
1: Now, I wonder I wonder why this is. Is this because you think just so many more people are using Google Maps or, or have Android devices?
0: I don't think it's that. I think, I think Google's better at big data. I think that they, the other thing, you know, Google acquired Waze. It's the next big thing we're going to talk about. And Waze is a social engineered, basically traffic system. And I read two articles, but I, none of, I've not read anything by Google confirming this, but I've read articles by um, tech reporters saying that Google Maps is accessing the Waze data. And Waze is super accurate in terms of time because it's actually humans saying, oh, somebody, you know, a flock of geese got loose on this road. So now traffic has stopped. You know, they, it's just way more, um, I think it's getting way more data thrown at it than Google Maps or Apple Maps is. And if that's true that Google Maps is accessing the data out of Waze, then that would explain why they're so spooky good at, at estimated travel times. Uh, um, Another thing they do with Google Maps that I I really uh, appreciate, don't use that often, is they have these popular times graphs. I don't know when they showed up, but I was going to the library recently and I looked it up in Google Maps and I scrolled down and it showed me when the library is the busiest. You know,
1: I saw that. I saw this come up within the last couple of months. I don't know how accurate it is. Have have you found it to be super accurate? I, I don't know.
0: I haven't tested it enough. And then I noticed then going through the Facebook group, several of the gang in Facebook was also talking about that feature, but that's just like, it's kind of cool. You know, I mean, we always talk about Google being kind of creepy, but super cool. Well, this is kind of both sides of that, you know, um, uh, you know, multiple destinations is a great feature. They kind of support it in Apple maps and not really Google does a better job. So if you want to have multiple destinations and, um, Uh, I just feel like overall, uh, Google is is more innovative and willing to kind of stretch out with some of these features that make sense uh, than Apple Maps is.
1: I think um, Google is definitely innovating, but I think this is a good thing. I I think Google pushes Apple, Apple pushes Google. I I think the more innovation you have here, the better. Apple tends to have this problem when they release something they, they tend to release it, they tend to maybe make one or two versions of tweaks, and then that's it. They're done with it. And that's that's all we're going to do with it. But hopefully, because Google Maps is such a big player in this, because it's available on iOS, because they're going to continue to be such a competitor to Apple in this, Apple is going to be forced to continue to innovate. I mean, Apple's got a ton of money and stock in this at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, a mapping system is key to a successful mobile platform. I mean, there's I think everybody agrees. And I think they're going to put as much money into it as they need to, to hopefully bring it up to snuff.
1: Uh, do you think it was interesting? I mean, do you think, I guess part of me asks, why did Apple need to do this? Why did Apple need to come up with their own maps? Did they just not want to be reliant on Google for their own mapping data? Because certainly they could. They could use Google Maps. And they still rely on YouTube, although it's no longer installed by default. Apple doesn't have its own yet uh, video streaming service.
0: Well one of the stories at the time, I, I kind of made mention to it earlier in the show, one of the stories at the time, and none of this stuff has been confirmed by either company, was that as part of the deal to get the Google Map data, they wanted to be Google wanted data back on users and what they were where they were going, and I don't know what you know, what all the data they wanted. But uh Google certainly wanted because that's how the company works. I mean, they collect data and that makes the whole thing work better. And Apple is, especially in the last few years, super protective about user privacy, and they weren't really excited about sharing user data with third party, even Google. So that's one of the stories that came out. Another story was Apple, you know, in Apple fashion, just said, no, no, we don't want to be reliant on anyone. No, thank you, we'll do it ourselves. You know, you can take your ball and go home. I, I don't know, I mean, honestly, I don't. Um, I guess the, the point of relevance here is now we've got pretty good options from both companies. I mean, even just talking through some of the innovations with Google, like the the lane data is a very good reason for me to want to use uh, Google Maps. Uh, but I seem to be getting by just fine with Apple Maps. And for me, that integration stuff is super important. I mean, the ability to use it on the watch, the Siri integration. I did I didn't mention, but you know, Google does not have Siri integration. You can't just press the button and say, get directions home, but you can open the Google maps app. And there is a microphone right in the search button and Google does very good voice text, uh, voice to text. So you can kind of give it Siri instructions, but you have to be in the application. And, uh, and I find those very good. And, you know, if Google knows where my home is and I say, get directions home inside the app, it'll get me directions home. So, it's not as big of a difference. Uh, you know. Siri, it's not, you know, you either get voice control or no voice control comparing Apple Maps to Google Maps. It's extra steps, though, to get into Google Maps. And when you're driving already and you just want to get directions home, you don't want to have to open your phone, unlock it, look for the Google Maps icon, open, you know, and then find the little microphone in the search button. It's so much easier just to e- either say the magic words um, or just hold down the power button to activate Siri and get it going for you. And, and to me, it's those little touches of integration with iOS that at the end of the day make Apple Maps the winner for me, despite the fact that there's features that I would prefer on Google Maps. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to what's your cloud. If you are a person that has embraced Apple stuff and you have all your stuff in Apple's iCloud data, you know, Apple Contacts, et cetera, Apple Calendar, I think Apple Maps is probably the right answer for you. Uh, If you are a person who is in Google Cloud, if you're using Google Contacts and Gmail and all that other stuff, I think Google Maps is probably the answer for you. I think that's a big piece of it is you know which ecosystem are you living in?
1: Yeah, although I would say that this is one where it's easier to cross over. Uh, I I don't know that you necessarily, I mean, because I use Google Maps all the time and I don't have a lot of my data in Google. Or at least a lot of my personal data in Google, so I, you know I th- I think this is one where where it's easy to cross over.
0: Yeah, and Google Maps has the ability to access your contacts data. You can give it uh, access, and then you know you basically get the advantage of that. Um, w- you know, one other thing about Google Maps, and we're going to talk more about like pedestrian stuff later, but bicycling, like I ride a bicycle a lot. Google Maps is way, in fact, Apple Maps really doesn't have a solution for bicyclists. So. Um, there are some other pieces of this that um, favor Google Maps. This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by Daylight. Visit marketcircle.com slash daylight to start a free 30-day trial. And don't forget to mention you heard about it on the Mac Power Users to get 50% off your first month subscription. If you've ever run your own business, you know how hard it is to secure new business while at the same time juggling everything else on your plate. You've got an overloaded inbox, never-ending task list, and a million details to remember. You feel overwhelmed and things start slipping through the cracks. That's where Daylight helps. Daylight is a software tool that works on your Mac, iPad, and iPhone and helps you win more business and get more done. It organizes and ties together your clients, emails, tasks, projects, new business opportunities, and even your notes all in one application. Businesses all over the world say Daylight helps them work more efficiently so they can manage more clients and projects at a time. Law firms use Daylight to manage cases and keep track of referrals. Design studios use Daylight to organize communications with clients and to share project tasks and details. Since Daylight started sponsoring the MacPal users, we have heard from a lot of listeners that are Daylight users. I know a lot of you out there are running your own and small businesses, and Daylight absolutely should be on your radar for software solutions to hold everything together. With Daylight, you always have access to your key information because the data is stored locally on your Mac, iPhone, and iPad. And best of all, these applications are made by a team of people dedicated to the Mac and iOS platforms. They're always coming out with updates and new features, like they've added the ability for multitasking on iPad. So now you can work on Daylight with another application side by side. But don't take my word for it. Visit marketcircle.com slash Daylight, spelled D-A-Y-L-I-T-E, to start a free 30-day trial. And when you sign up, don't forget to mention you heard about it on the Mac Power users. That gets you 50% off your first month subscription. Thank you so much to Daylight for supporting the Mac Power users.
1: So there's another big player on the market that a, that a lot of people have talked about. People in our Facebook group love this one, and it is Waze. And I've played with Waze. I will admit that it's never been one that's that's stuck with me. But Waze is really a, a different kind of mapping program. It's it's cute. It's friendly. It doesn't really – I mean, obviously, it has maps on it, but it doesn't really look like your traditional mapping program. It's uh, kind of social media-based mapping, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a completely different take. And just to be clear up front, a couple of years ago, out, I'm sorry, Google paid over a billion dollars and bought Waze. So <laughs> Waze is is a Google product at this point, but they did not fold it into their maps. You know, they didn't fold it into Google Maps, which is what I thought they were going to do when they bought it. They've kept it as an independent product. And if you never used it before, Waze is spelled W-A-Z-E. And like my wife loves Waze. That's her preferred mapping choice uh, for a couple of reasons. And katie's right it's it's social media kind of based mapping it's got a good map in it It can get you driving directions but what makes it really interesting is that it can uh crowdsource this stuff like if you're driving down and you suddenly the freeway stops you can actually report that in in the application and then everybody else on the road gets the word about it you know they know what what's coming down the road um the uh one of my favorite stories about ways is uh the a road closure problem. I was going to visit my sister and she it, it's a it's hard to get to her house. So I always need directions. See, this is this is my problem, Katie. I need directions for everything.
1: You can't get to your sister's house without a map? I
0: go there like probably twice a month and I get the map directions every time because it's like left turn, right turn, right turn, left turn, left turn, right. You know, it's like all these turns. I don't want to keep track of this stuff. Um so but there was a road closure and I um you know, and Google Maps and Apple Maps didn't know about it. So it was trying to get me to go through a road closure. And so I said, you know, because I'm always thinking about this stuff, turn on Waze. Waze has the notification. This road is closed. Take this alternate route. So that's an example of where, where Waze really works for you. Um, uh, They also, people report in, like if there's a policeman sitting there with his radar gun, a lot of times that gets reported and then you get told about that in Waze. Um, I think it's, it's really useful. It's, and and what you were saying earlier is true as well. It's whimsical. Um, and this is, I usually like whimsy in applications, but I don't really like the whimsy in ways that much. Uh, and this is purely a personal thing. It's a little cartoony for me. Um, but but some people love it. Like I said, my wife loves it. They, one of the things they do in Waze that's kind of fun is they have different voices. When The Force Awakens came out for a while, they had a C-3PO voice.
1: So then you downloaded Waze, Yes.
0: No, I already had a download, but I used it like almost exclusively her month because I just wanted Anthony Daniels telling me to take left turns. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's, you either like it or you don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you, you need to get in and try it. Uh, what I can tell you is that uh, the folks in the Mac Power Users Facebook group generally love Waze. I think this one got the most fan love when I asked about your favorite uh, mapping applications.
1: Yeah, I think so. So a couple of the reasons why Waze has never, never worked for me, and, and then we'll tell you about all the people who loved it. So clearly that I'm, I'm wrong. I never liked the fiddliness of Waze. Um, because, you know, I told you that I typically don't run with Maps Open that much often. And I don't like ha- you, I really feel like in order to get the full experience for Waze, Waze really encourages you to participate with it, you know, to report the speed trap, to report the lane closure, to report the the road closure. And I, I never really liked that premise. I mean, I understand that's the way that it gets better and that's the way that it, it works for people. But I never really liked the idea of having the the icon and the app open on your your dashboard or wherever and then constantly be fiddling with it. I mean, when I'm driving... It You know, I think having, you know, maps application may be some some distraction, but certainly interacting with it regular is going to be a huge distraction. And I, I just I see people on the roads fiddling with their their phones so often enough. I, I don't want to encourage them and give them a reason to do that. So uh, that that's just one of my fundamental issues with Waze. And if I've I've misunderstood or if I don't get it somehow, you know please feel free to post in the Facebook group or something. But I guess I just kind of have a, a fundamental aversion to that. Uh, that's one of the well, issues. Well,
0: just on that point, um, you, you don't have to report problems to use the app.
1: Well, right. But, but somebody has to or the app doesn't work.
0: Well, I, I'm a taker. Not, I'm more of a taker than a giver when it comes to ways.
1: <laughs> right. But, but you know, there are like those super givers out there. And they're and they're the ones who are right behind me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they probably are. But I uh so I have reported a couple times um when there was something on the road or whatever, but it's never been while driving. Like one time I got stuck where traffic literally stopped on the freeway and I I reported it in because Waze hadn't shown it yet, but then before long there were many reports of it. Um you're right. Uh so that's one issue. What's your other one?
1: Um yeah, again, just the fiddliness I think is is really the big one. I I the I, I guess I like more utilitarian apps. But um, now when Google bought Waze, though, isn't Google taking advantage of all the Waze users if I'm using Google Maps?
0: Yeah, uh, Kelly Guimont wrote in, um, yeah, our friend, uh, I think she's been on the show, but if not, she's, she's a really smart lady that you guys should she follow. Um, she said Google owns them and it tracks your data. Um, the, She said she contacted them to find out if there was some way to turn it off while using the app and got a um, a response that said, a product decision has been made to have only two choices. So if you use Waze, Google has the capability to track you all the live long day. So, but you know, Apple is tracking you too, while you're using Apple Maps and Google's tracking you while you're-
1: That's how Apple gets the information to say, <laughs> yeah, exactly. there's there's a slowdown. And and it, it is freakishly good. I mean, I was, uh, you know, we had those hurricanes a couple of uh, months ago and I was coming back from Milo Fest on the turnpike. I'm sorry, Victor, it will always be MiloFest to me. And- it was like you could see it coming on the map. It was clear for a while, and then there was the, the, the red part. And I'm like, oh, we're coming up on a slowdown. And sure enough, there it was, and all the cars would slow down. And, oh, look, it clears a few miles ahead, and there it cleared, and the bottleneck cleared. So, I mean, it is freakishly good. It knows it, but the way it knows it is because all the other users in the cars ahead of me have have got their, their map app locations on, and it knows when they slowed down and when they sped up.
0: Yeah, and um, and we didn't mention it, but both Apple Maps and Google Maps have traffic live traffic data. So you flip a switch, and then under you know, if the road is red ahead of you, get ready to slow down for a while. Um, so anyway, but Ways I think is better at this. Uh, some of the um, some of the interesting feedback we got, like listener Russell wrote in, and said his commute involves crossing a drawbridge, which is kind of awesome. I wish I had a drawbridge in my life I could cross once in a while.
1: No, no, you don't. You really don't. It's cool, like the first time, and then every time you hit it, it's up. It's, it's, it, it like totally changes your commute.
0: Yeah. But I live in Southern California in the desert, so we, we just don't need that stuff. Maybe we would have drawbridges to go over like tumbleweeds. If you had them to go over tumbleweeds, we would, we would need them. But anyway, uh, he says he finds ways is the quickest to respond and show resultant traffic slowdowns from the drawbridge. Um, and then this is the part I love. This is the reason why, frankly, Russell's comment made it into that line. He says, but I don't rely on this because I have an if this, then that notification set up to warn me when the bridge is up. So I do know. So he actually has a, a rule or if this, then that somehow catches on the internet when the bridge goes up and sends him a notification. I love that.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I, don't, know how, I don't know how he does that.
0: Yeah. In fact, Russell, write us and tell us how you're doing that because... Uh, we are both right now doing some significant testing with both if this than that and some of its competitors, and we're going to do a show on that pretty soon. So let us know, gang. Um. Uh. And then uh, Scott wrote in on Facebook. I thought this was another interesting comment. He says why Waze is widely used by American service members in South Korea because Apple and Google Map data is very little in terms of navigation, and while there's some great third-party apps in Korea, um. Waze is the the one that they use and it has good data for, you know, the Americans driving around over there.
1: Cool. That's good to know.
0: Well, it, it was interesting to me that a lot of people, it seemed to me the big reason a lot of people use Waze is they have varying traffic patterns and they want just better traffic data.
1: And we heard a lot of people, especially, not only is Apple Maps not good in certain parts of the United States, we had a lot of people in other parts of the world tell us that, yeah, Apple Maps still not right here.
0: Oh, yeah. In fact, we got in the later on, like a couple apps recommended on that. But the um, but yeah, that's probably true. As much as Apple Maps is caught up in the U.S., my guess is that they're still pretty far behind in a lot of foreign countries.
1: Um, any other other ways? I, I mean, I think I think the Waze lovers are out there. Um, if you love Waze, that's great. Um, you know, I think that's a great discussion in our Facebook group. Please do not drive behind me um, and put all your little Waze data in. That's my only request.
0: Yeah, and Nathan wrote in, and this is one of my complaints with Waze as well, is once it does have some bit of data about what's up ahead of you, it's very aggressive about telling you about it.
1: Warning, warning, warning. Got it. Got it. Thanks.
0: um, There is a setting for that. You can turn that off. But then, you know, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I feel like it's a little too aggressive out of the box in terms of getting you warnings. Once I know, that's good. I'm all right. Uh, to me, I, I think if they updated the um, the user interface a little bit, modernize it a little bit, um, and I know that that's probably sacrilege because a lot of people like the whimsy in it, I'd be more inclined to use it. But I, I do find that the traffic data in, in Apple Maps is good and the traffic data in Google Maps is better, but either one of them is good enough.
1: I, I think it's a, if they had the C3PO voice all the time, or better yet, like an R2D2 voice, then you totally switch.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, just, it's kind of funny because when we had the, um, the car, uh, GPS devices in the car, yeah, I, was,
1: I was just going to say that. Do you remember when GPS is, you used to like pay a ridiculous amount of money to be able to download like James Earl Jones, read your map directions?
0: Yeah. I, I kind of wish that would come back. You know, I remember at one point, I think they had these Dennis Hopper directions where it sounded like he was loaded and he would like give you wrong directions.
1: <laughs> oh, that sounds <laughs> lovely.
0: Yeah, it was great. You know, I just like that kind of stuff. But um, it seems like that kind of has been drummed out of the service a bit with the, with the you know, Google and Apple Maps. I'd like to see that make a comeback.
1: Well, I think it's the type of thing that really only a, probably only a third-party app is going to be able to support. I, I guess Apple could do it. I mean, could, could they sell them like ringtones, maybe?
0: They have different voices already. Do you use different voices for Siri on your I, device? I
1: know. I just use Siri. I'm not that creative.
0: I do. I use the, um, the, one of the English female voices. I don't remember which one it is. And, um, and one of my bits of joy in testing all these things out is listening to the Siri English female voice try to pronounce all the Spanish street names in Southern California. It's, it's, it's so awesome.
1: Well, so that's your voice for everything. Yeah, It is. I want to take a moment and thank longtime sponsor SaneBox for their support of MPU. You can go to SaneBox.com MPU and receive a $25 credit on any SaneBox plan. You know, SaneBox is one of those services that I'd heard about for a while. David was trying to convince me that it was so great, and I never really thought that I had a need for something like SaneBox. When they came on as a sponsor, I decided that I'd give them a try. And you know what? Three days. That's all it took before I decided that SaneBox was something simply indispensable that I could not live without. And you know, over 66% of MPU listeners who have tried SaneBox end up subscribing, so there's a really good chance that you'll love it too. Here's what happens. You connect your email service to Sainbox. It works with just about any email service out there, whether you use iCloud, whether you use Gmail, whether you use Exchange. And Sainbox starts learning what type of email is important to you, and it filters out what isn't, saving you hours. You don't have to sign up for a special email program. You don't have to change all of your emails workflows. Sanebox just works. The first thing it's going to do is give you a sane later folder. So you keep in your inbox only what matters. If it's important, put it in your inbox. If it's not, it goes in the same la- later folder. Then you've got the sane black hole. If you've got something that keeps getting in your inbox or people keep sending you email that you don't want, drag it there unsubscribe with one click without anybody ever knowing it. And then there's the whole idea of snoozing and deferring emails. If you've got something that you know you want to deal with, but you don't want to deal with it right now, maybe you want to deal with it on the next business day, maybe you want to defer it to the weekend, create a snooze folder and it will defer those emails. They're still safe. They're just stuck in a folder. But on the specified day, they'll pop back into your inbox so you know that you'll never forget them. And do you have somebody in your life who maybe isn't the best about responding to your emails? you could CC or BCC them to Sane Reminders. So when you send them an email, you could say BCC one week at SaneBox.com. And if that person doesn't reply to your email within one week, you'll get an email from SaneBox reminding you to follow up. And you can pick any time frame or date that you want. It's that cool. SaneBox is more than just filtering, though. It can save attachments to other cloud services. It can have an administrative assistant or someone help you with managing your email. It can allow you go in and do custom filtering. There is so much more to SaneBox. You've got to try it to know that you're going to love it. And you can because they give you a 14-day free trial. They've got various pricing plans that start as low as just a couple of dollars a month. So head over to SaneBox.com MPU and get started today. So there are some other map-related apps that that we can talk about. Um, I, I've used a couple. I use a couple when I'm you know driving and things like that. Some of these though are are kind of being Sherlocked as more and more features get built into to Apple Maps and to Google Maps. And as much as I hate for those developers to lose those re- revenue streams. I must say, I would always prefer to have this data in one single map app than than in multiple third-party apps. But there's still going to be a need for those third-party apps.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, the uh, one area that we haven't really covered much is transit app. You know, if I want to take the bus or if I want to walk or ride my bicycle, um, uh, Google Maps does better at this than Apple Maps does, although Apple is getting better in some cities. Um, there's an app that I keep on my iPhone called transit app, and it's great. I, I like it because I can travel in advance of a trip. Like if I'm going to Chicago, I can figure out how I'm going to get from the airport to the, um, to the hotel with public transit before I even get on the airplane, which is nice. Um, uh, I, uh, I got feedback on this on Facebook from uh, listener, Emily, who was talking about real-time updates in transit apps. So. Uh, not only does it give you the, if it doesn't give you the official schedule, it tells you how far away the nearest Uber is or how long it's going to take for the train to show up. And this stuff is really nice to have um, available to you.
1: Yeah, I've used CityMapper before. And I think, um, I, I thought at one point that they were going to be able to get some integration into iOS, but I don't know that that has ever happened. But I've, I've used that in, in certain cities where Apple doesn't have built-in transit directions or when they're not as good in Google.
0: Yeah, and in addition, whatever big city you're in, um, there's sometimes there's some locally created apps that are very good for the the immediate city. Um, sometimes those apps come from the municipalities where they, if they keep the data, they don't share it. You know, the, you know, the transit authority in your local city will take care of it. Um, but also sometimes it's made by a third party, um, you know, it's made just by a third party developer and they'll tap into the local transit authority data and display it better and, and give you better options. But Whatever city you live in, if you're spending a lot of time on, on public transit, take a look at what people are using.
1: There's another app that I've used when when traveling, and I believe it's called iExit. And it's funny that this is not built in by default into the, the Apple Maps yet, but it will it will ask you are you you know it will it knows if you're on you know interstate 95 or or one of those and it it asks you i think it still asks you are you, are you heading northbound or southbound which is odd that it can't figure that out naturally um but it will tell you you know the upcoming exits and what is at that exit. So if you're looking for a Starbucks or if you somebody says, oh, we we want Mexican, what are the Mexican restaurants coming up for lunch, or those types of things, you can pull up iExit and see what are the exits coming up and and what are at those exits. The the data isn't always super updated. I mean, sometimes we've gotten to places and found that they were closed or that, you know, maybe they're coming soon or they're not it's not real updated. But it's probably the one of the better solutions I found.
0: Well, and with iOS 10, they've added a similar feature to Apple Maps where It'll show you upcoming, you know, gas stations and restaurants and coffee shops. Um, I would like to, I, I didn't think of this, but it, I should have uh, downloaded iExit and done some testing of these two against each other. If anybody out there is is familiar with these two ways or some other app that does the same thing, let us know. We'll add it to the feedback show because there's probably a, a best in breed for this, but you can get this in Apple Maps now. Um, another app that I kind of like is called ETA, you know, estimated time of arrival. And it's an app that creates a widget on the phone. So when you go to the the widget screen on the iPhone, whatever locations you've inserted into it, it tells you wherever you are in the world, how far away you are from that place. Um, And so and if you tap it, then it opens up the address and, you know, gets you on your way uh, as someone as I've already established, who needs lots of directions in my life. <laughs> There's a couple like my, uh, my daughter's school is, is uh, pretty far from my house. And sometimes I'll be in court or whatever. My wife will say, can you pick her up? And I'll say, sure. And I just open up the ETA widget and tap it. So it takes wherever I am and gets me to wherever she is. And uh, I really like that.
1: So it's kind of like a favorites.
0: Yeah, basically, it's just a favorites, but it's done well.
1: Okay. Very cool. Now, I know you said that you had been biking quite a bit. Do you have any specific apps that you're you're using for that? Because bike trails are not necessarily the same as walking trails versus roadways. Although most of the time you can bike on roadways, but not always. That's not always a good idea.
0: Yeah. I, I haven't really got into what a biking nerd I've turned into in the last year. I, I got a um a bike. It's a cheater bike. It has a little electric motor in it because I live in the hills. It's really hard getting up the hills, but basically most of the stuff I do my day stuff around, you know, Starbucks, grocery store, doctor, whatever, uh, gym are within five miles of my house. So last year I got this bike and, and I, uh, I, I probably ride it about 25 miles a week and it's great. Um, but I don't need, I don't need a map for that because all this stuff is really local. And I, even me, I can find my way home. But uh, I asked about it on Twitter and Facebook and got some good feedback. Everybody likes Google, if you're going to use one of those. I mean, Apple Maps really doesn't support biking. And then there's another app that a lot of the bikers are excited about called Komoot, K-O-M-O-O-T. And I think if you're making long bike trips, this is something you want to look into. It helps you plan and execute your bike route. Another app that I thought was of interest, it's a new app in the app store. I downloaded, it. I just started playing with it. It's called Polar Steps and it's map related. If you take a vacation and there's other apps like this, but I really like the design of this Polar Steps app. If you take a vacation, you just kind of run this app in the background. It tracks where you go when you can take notes. Kind of a fun little app. I, I know there's a bunch of those.
1: Yeah. Paul wrote in on our uh, Facebook group and says that he is an uh, over-the-road long-haul trucker who drives an 18-wheeler all over the U.S. And he has a specific app called Copilot Truck. And I, I was like, well, why, why do you need a specific app? Why can't just Google Apps or Apple Maps work for that? And Paul pointed out that because of the size of his vehicle, um, his truck is not allowed to go everywhere that a traditional vehicle can go. And so that's that's what he does. He plans his trips with an app called InRoute. Uh, and then um, he also can download and has access to maps when he otherwise doesn't have internet available, which happens still more often than you would think in a lot of rural areas. So that's good.
0: I just saw when Paul the trucker weighed in, I'm like, well, he's a trucker. His his comment is going in the outline.
1: <laughs> yes, there you go.
0: Um, downloadable maps is a, is a thing, right? People want to be able to download maps. We already talked about how Google Maps does it, but there's a couple apps that people like uh maps.me is by far the favorite among Mac power users listeners and um it looks like it's got really good reviews i've not used it but um uh maps.me is a great way to get offline maps uh paul's co-pilot and then uh navigon remember those guys they yes. used sellable devices I, I
1: remember seeing them at, at macworld yeah
0: yeah they're still doing it and those are offline maps too so uh those are some good alternative solutions so, so Katie, uh, we talked a lot about maps today. How do you look at your 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 um, phone in your car? You have a a vent mount, is that what
1: you do? Yeah. So the one I like, and I think we've talked about it on the show a lot. I, I don't have a. I've, I've got an older car. I've got it. I've got a two thousand three Lexus, and it doesn't have a dedicated spot for the phone. It doesn't have one of these, um, you know, big in car, you know. Monitors that you that your phone hooks up in. it doesn't. I, I have installed a third-party Bluetooth accessory into it, but you know it, it doesn't have any of these phone integrations. I you know I basically um, use a a car charger that that plugs into the. I I, I would call it the cigarette lighter, but it, I don't think that's what they're called now. You know the little the little charging lighter. So um, what I do is I have something called the Kenu, K-E-N-U, airframe. Um, It's fairly inexpensive. It's less than 20 bucks. It makes a great uh, stocking stuffer or gift for somebody. And what this is, they have a standard size, and then they have a phablet size for if you're an iPhone Plus or you have a large phone. And it's just a simple little mount that will fit in an air vent. And that can be a good or bad thing because it kind of blocks the air vent, but um, it's very small. It's pocketable. I like it because it's, I, in, in just something that can fit in the size of my pocket, I can take my airframe. I, I have a, the car charger I like is a Skosh car charger. I'll put a link in the show notes to it, but I like it because it's a a 10 watt 2.1 amp car charger, which means Um, It has two ports and both USB ports are the higher power charging ports, which means they both can can charge an iPad at full speed or kind of fast charge an iPhone. And I have a little um, lightning cable. So if I'm ever leaving my car, if I'm going to rent a car, I grab the car mount, I grab the charger, I grab the USB, uh, the lightning cable and, you know, boom, I'm done. I've got a complete car kit that I can take into any car.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, uh, we talked about this on the show years ago and I'll never forget. We got an email from a listener who was somewhere in Africa and he said that the roads are so bad that, you know, all these mounts don't work. He just used Velcro. He attaches Velcro to his phone and has Velcro on his dash and he just snaps it on there. So as he's driving around it, the phone stays in place. And that, that was a very big email to me because it was like, I never, it never occurred to me someone in Africa would listen to our show, you know, but, uh, it was a, you know, it was like, wow, we do have a reach. Um, but the, uh, but I got, when we did that show, I got uh, some feedback from a listener who was, I believe was in law enforcement and said, Ram mounts, R-A-M, you know, Ram mounts. And I, um, uh, went ahead and bought one. Um, th- this was years ago when we talked about it on the show. I love this thing so much. It's still the same one I bought. I got the suction cup model and it suction cups to the window and it never, it really sucks. You know, it never comes off. And the way the mount makes, it's just like a thing you pinch and you can put the phone in and it grips it, whether there's a case on it or not. Uh, I like it so much that over the years, now I've put one in my wife's car and put one in my daughter's car. It's just a rock solid mount for your phone. And I just put it in the lower left corner. So it's just kind of out of the way. But if I need directions, I can put it there. Um, talking about power, I, am. Um, I w- So
1: do you put it on the, on the, like the driver's, um, windshield on the side of the car or are you putting it on the front windshield,
0: the front windshield on the lower left corner.
1: Okay. So driver's side.
0: So basically the phone is, um, displayed on top of my dash. I can be driving down the road and just glance to the, you know, slightly to the left and see the next turn and works great. Um, I don't keep the phone in there all the time. Usually I only put it in when I'm doing directions, but either way, it's, it's a great little device. And then since we're talking power, I you know, I went the full Anchor route over the last couple of years. I, in my car, has has um, a cigarette lighter in the front and the back. So I got two of those Anchor um, chargers that plugs in the cigarette lighter. It's very low profile. It has two USB cords. And I have four USB cords in my car. <laughs> oh, and um, the, the one for the back is for the kids because uh, children... At least in the Sparks house, have a rule that if their phone has fifteen percent charge, that's enough. They can unplug it, and so every time we go somewhere, their phones are out of charge. So I just have it back there. They always charge your phones in the car. I think that might be the only place they charge their phones. Some days, um, and then in the front, I've got one so as well. Daisy can charge her phone, and I can run GPS and, and no trouble. One of the a power trick there is I bought some of the anchor cables. I got a, a couple six inch cables, so. Uh, there's a long one that that stretches over to the um to the to the RAM mount, but usually I just have the the actual phone down and the kind of the well in the middle of the you know, I have a Ford in the middle of the seat. There's a little well there. I just use the six inch charger, so I don't have a bunch of cable dangling around. Boy, that was way too much detail.
1: Yeah, no, that's fine as long as it works.
0: Yeah, The um I uh one of the things I learned uh, doing this was that uh. We have uh, a lot of listeners from uh, all over the place with some great ideas, and one of them wrote in, I didn't write her name down, I apologize, Um, but on Facebook, she said, while you're talking about maps, you guys should talk about missingmaps.org. So I didn't even know this existed. Um, So each year, there's all these disasters around the world, and a lot of people die, and emergency services can't even find them because the places they live are not on a map, you know? As much as we like the fact that, you know, the map to Disney World got fixed for Katie, uh, there's countries and places around the world where those maps don't exist at all. And so there's this effort to get all these maps put in place so emergency workers can get to people. And frankly, just the people that live there can have the benefit of having the advantages that we've been talking about throughout this show. If you're interested in it, it's a charitable organization. You can find it at missingmaps.org. I think I'm going to donate. I, I I'm I'm sold. So I'm going to go check it out. Um and I recommend you take a look at it too.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there's a way um that people can contribute to this project. I mean, contributing monetarily is also great, but maybe contribute through like some kind of social mapping project.
0: Well, one of the things they do is they look for remote volunteers and they trace the satellite imagery onto OpenStreetMap. So you could do that. Well, so, so just kind of putting a, a cap on all this, I feel like there are three real options for your mapping these days. Uh, Apple Maps isn't the best data, but it's good data. Um, it's got great integration. Apple Watch users are going to love it. Siri users are going to love it. Um, so that, that may be the place that you stay. Um, uh, if you really need specifically good data or if some of those extra you know, bells and whistles that Google Maps brings to the tables, uh, is what you know floats your boat then maybe you need google maps or if you like the idea of this social um mapping and this crowdsourced traffic then you should check out waze and you don't have to pick one i guess that's the best part all of these are free you know i, I think it's um, i
1: think at some point i I've, i I've definitely have Apple Maps and Google Maps. And I might even still have Waze downloaded on my phone. So I, I know many people have all three.
0: I can tell you for me, generally, I just default to Apple Maps because of the Siri integration and the watch integration. I think that's what really brought me in. And um, and if I have trouble, I'll go to Google Maps. But the thing I found over the last few years is I don't have trouble that often. It, so much so that I lost track of some of these nice improvements Google Maps have made, which tempts me to kind of go back to it. But but at the end of the day, the Siri integration and the the watch thing is what's going to keep me in Apple
1: Maps. Yeah. Well, as long as Apple Maps doesn't get me lost, I'm I'm happy to keep using them. You know, I, I think there's a certain area where you can get good enough. But in order to be good enough, your your map data has to be good. I mean, first and foremost, it has to work.
0: I think we covered this. Took us uh, how many years? <laughs> Eight years, uh, well, but we got there.
1: 365 episodes, so only a, one Mac Power user a year.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> And Katie, let's just do another year's worth. Why
1: not? <laughs> you you want to go another 365 episodes?
0: I'm in. I'm in if you are.
1: All right. Well, we'll we'll see how that goes. I I don't know, David. I don't know if we can get past another 10. Do we really have enough okay. content? I guess we better because <laughs> okay. we've 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 at least got the next 10 planned out. So. We'll be okay. we fine. Well, thanks to our sponsors for this episode Smile, Gazelle, Market Circle, and Sanebox. We certainly couldn't do this without your support. And thanks to everyone uh, in the Relay FM family who has supported us with your membership. Uh, David and I really appreciate all your efforts.
0: We'll see you all next week.